This is On the Block with Stricken Bach. Nebraska Basketball Hall of Famer and nine-year NBA vet, Eric Strickland. Strickland for three! And you're going to go out of here as the Big 8 tournament champion. 93-7, a ticket veteran and Ortega connoisseur, Jake Bakovan. I like Ortega and I like Pepper. Coming at you live from the Koppel Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Sponsored by the Mercado by Certified Piedmontese. This is On the Block with Stricken Bach. We're back on the block for the second hour here on 93.7 The Ticket, theticketfm.com. I am East Strick and my partner Jake Bakovin. He is there in Lincoln, and I am in an alternate location in the metaverse, so to speak. <laughs> the Ticketverse. <laughs> in the Ticketverse. And, uh, yeah, it's been a great show. Thirsty Thursday, thank you for joining us. As always, 4 to 6, you can find us right here. And uh, just grateful. Just grateful for another day just to be on the block and with you tuned in and also tapping in on the Sodder Heyman text line. And sometimes getting a chance to get through to put your words out, your discussions in. But you can also find us on all platforms, Twitch, Spotify, Facebook, Twitter. Oh, uh, just, just run down the gamut, anything that it is. But we also have the app. The app, you'll be able to tap into all of the segments that go on each hour on the hour. Ticket weeknights as well included. 93.7, the Ticket FM app. So, but. There's been some things that's happening in Husker football. We are on the countdown. It's the final countdown (laughs) to football. College football week zero is slowly approaching, and it'll be here before we know it. Things are being said. Words are being spewed at the podium. Tell me what they're talking about. They're the Husker faithful as well as the players and coaches. Yeah, it, it's fascinating. Today we had a few of the coaches, a few of the players go to the podium, and I think we learned a lot. Uh, much of the talk that we've had to, throughout the day on the ticket has revolved around Bill Bush and the special teams unit because we're getting pretty hyped up for that. So uh, I'll play I'll play a bite from him, but uh, uh, then we'll uh, kind of go through um, the rest of the things that I thought were interesting and notable that were said today. Um, but uh, I don't want you just to hear from me. You should probably hear it from Bill Bush as well. Here's how Bill Bush, special teams coordinator, feels like the new coaches have come together. I, I think we've come together really well. You know, it, it, I think from the start, the one thing that helped a bunch was that, uh, you know, that me and Coach Joseph had worked together. You know, we were here when he was a player and I was a GA and then spending all that time at LSU together. And and we were used to high tempo, everyone buying in how it works. And so that helped us a bunch. So Mickey was able to help lead in those areas for us right there. And then every coach right there, once it said, you get what you emphasize. And we emphasize how, how we're going to be early, how hard we're going to work. And every assistant coach matches that energy with it. And so that, that becomes, it just becomes the overall culture of your team and what's expected. So everyone knows they're going. There, there, there's no one on the roster uh, that is off limits as far as who can go out and, and play. 
and he's talking about special teams there. So, I mean, he's got his pick of the litter, uh, and it's it's quite a large litter, under 20 players or whatever it is, um, to get uh, that special teams rolling. And he's chosen uh, a lot of different guys. I mean, it seems like Ramir Johnson seems to be standing out. He also said today he does the right things at full speed. So it's it's not like uh, he's coming along, he's learning him, I and he, he is uh, maybe one of the leaders of the special teams unit, despite not being uh, the kick returner as he was last year. That looks like that role might go to Anthony Grant first and foremost. Looks like right now punt returner, um, you know, probably the, <laughs> I would probably bet on Trey Palmer, who's already had a kick return and a punt return for touchdown at, at LSU in college football. Um, but it's just kind of interesting because he's, he's brought up the fact that they um, are going to play the starting linebackers. They've got a lot of running backs, you know, the wide receiver and tight end, a lot of offensive guys. Um, but it sounds like a lot of starters, a lot of, a lot of major contributors are going to be on special teams this year. And, and, and we've talked before, um, you know, sometimes you can make it work. You can get the backups or the or some of the walk-ons to really identify that role and, and make it, and, you know, make it their own and, and really put their heart into it. Um, but with how poor specialty, and there's going to be, again, spots like that for, for the Phelan Sanfords of the world to get in there and, and do just that. But um, for as poor as the special teams has been, I kind of like the idea of let's get our best players out there. We've lost enough games uh, under Scott Frost due to special teams. If we're going to lose on special teams now, at least make it, have your best players out there um, so you don't feel like you could have done more. One of the things I will say is that uh, Coach Applewhite made a a pretty good point about the fact that those um, he loved that his running back room is taking the initiative and getting involved from the Ramir Johnsons, Gabe Irvins. Just everybody in the running back room has a willingness to step out there in the special teams form and and, and make an impact. So um, I I did hear that from him. and, And so it was good to take note of that. Also, you know, as we talked about the running back room and some of the things that are going on in there right now as Coach Applewhite is, is getting things together, um, it seems as though for him, it, it, he, he has a comment that he spoke and he spoke about the criteria. And he stated that the criteria for the top running back uh, position is much different than probably it was in, 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 in recent past. Uh, he told them today that uh, who shows me who wants it every day? Who, who's going to be the most consistent everyday player? Who's going to be the most physical every day? Not once this week, not, not a few times in a few uh, uh, plays or a few parts of practice, but every day. And he also said, who's actually striving to that? And, and, and he made a, a really good point to say that they are striving towards that. So that shows you that, I think from top to bottom, the coaching staff all the way around are making impacts in their rooms and they're basically changing the way that things were accepted or done. Um, They've raised the bar of competition so that uh, you can't just feel that you're entitled to a specific or you just walk in the room and you own it. No, they have expectations and demands on you for those positions. And I love that about what I'm hearing coming out of those coaching rooms. 
Yeah, and that running back room in particular is interesting. Uh, Coach Eppelwhite today kind of speaking, he, I mean, he, he did a couple different comparisons with horse racing and, and 90s NBA dunk contests, and so he, he kind of had his fun there. But just kind of saying, you know, each day he's having different guys kind of take that lead. It's a nice race. Seems to be three guys have probably separated themselves. Um, Anthony Grant, you kind of get the feeling, would be the starter if it were today. But, again, um, he's right there with Ramir Johnson, who also is, is, is playing so much on special teams also going to be used as a slot receiver. So, you know, when you think of Ramir Johnson as, I, I don't know if I necessarily think of him as the starting running back. I think he'll get some carries. Maybe kind of think of the Debo Samuel role that, that the, the 49ers have used him in. Um, and, and and maybe kind of the Wondell Robinson role that Nebraska had a few years ago um, where you're going to get some carries, but hopefully not by necessity. And, and, and with Wondell at times it felt like we just don't have anybody else that's going to get these, you know, the H-back dive yards or effort that we want here, um, so we got to throw him out there. Um, I don't think that's going to be by necessity this year, but again, it feels like Ramir Johnson's in that race. Anthony Grant might have the slight edge, could change tomorrow, um, and then uh, you also have Gabe Irvin, who has come back very strong from his injury. Um, they were kind of limiting what they were doing with him at first, and then realized no need to limit him right now. You know, throw him in at, at full speed and see how we can kind of get this thing going. Interestingly enough, we, we kind of thought it was a four-man race with Jacquez Gant in there too, and uh, that might still be the case. You know, it, it feels like those three guys have separated to a degree, um, but we've seen it before in camp. You know, you can have your early camp risers. You can have your late camp risers. You can have your guy after three games that kind of takes over, um, after six games, after nine games. So, you know, there's there's no way, and, and, and Yant's done an excellent job of getting himself uh, further in excellent condition um, to be in that race. But it's I like to see a little bit of separation because, you know, as much as I like those four guys and have a, you know, a, a four-headed running back stable, that's nice. But Brian Applewhite said today he's looking for a 1A. He's looking for a guy um, to lead this group because they haven't had that in recent years. Um, and, and, and Nebraska fans want it. They want a 1,000-yard back. I don't necessarily know if Nebraska is going to get that. Um, that's uh, very key in the Big Ten West. I think that they're probably going to pass the ball a little bit more. But it's going to be somewhat dependent on how much the run game gets going. You've talked about this, trick with Northwestern. You'd rather see them run the ball all over Northwestern than go out there and sling it just to, just to set the tone. And, and here's why. I, I not only wanted to set the tone, but it, it, it also will allow the defense to rest. It also will allow you to pound a probably smaller, usually their defensive fronts are not very staunch and big. They're athletic and they're quick and they do a lot of slanting and they do just a lot of different things up front in order to, to uh, you know, help out in their run game defense, right? But for me, I think really just wearing them down, wearing them down and allow play action type of uh, uh, offensive um, uh, plays to, to really be big plays for you, you know, whether it be, you know, that 15, 20, that sets up a score or that really big one to a Trey part or a Casaneda or, or somebody like that, that is off of play action. I think that would help them. It would also go into the next games and I'm looking to do the same thing. My first three games are pound you. Because I'm not, I don't want to risk turnovers and interceptions and 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 stopping drives. I don't want to risk that, right? So those three, I'm pounding you because I'm setting up Oklahoma. Because then Oklahoma, 
I'm coming in if I'm Whipple. I'm coming in. They're thinking, dang, they didn't went back to old Nebraska. They they pounding the ball. They're running. So my defensive game plan is going to be kind of fitted around stopping the run, maybe moving a guy in. And then all of a sudden you're 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 hitting them with some pass stuff that's that's unexpected. And I think that kind of shakes up the game. Yeah, and, and it's kind of what Michigan did to Nebraska last year. They they went into that game, Cade McNamara, I don't think, threw the ball more than 20 times. And then they start slinging around a little bit in the first half, and you're like, whoa, what's going on? Who is this Michigan team? Um, and, of course, yeah. Michigan did end up winning that game by a slim margin. Nebraska could have won it, um, but uh, they struggled to even score in the first half. So there was that. Um, we'll see how that game ends up in Ann Arbor. But kind of continuing with the running backs, too, I thought it was cool. Brian Applewhite said, if we could have 120 kids that have his attitude, speaking of Ramir Johnson, then you'd have something special so I just can't wait to see Ramir we, we heard um Kev, our, our, our Whipple say when he came in man that that guy that number 14 pops out on film and uh he's he seems to be kind of that that weapon that that you know that that all together all around the field running passing um special teams demon type of weapon that they're going to use this year and I think uh don't forget Brody Belt I think Brody Belt might be kind of the backup in that some sort of role so I can't wait to see those guys out there uh, another thing that I thought was interesting Gabe Irvin spoke to the media today. Uh, he said that the offensive line was way better this season than last year, and of course, um, that's that's some that's a big statement um, considering you know they're just yeah. they're in practice number seven and uh, you know haven't gone live against the defense or anything. So that's that's just projecting, but at the same time, you love to hear that because I mean I, I've said it before. I, I my season prediction is five hundred six and six, but if you tell me Nebraska's got a, a good offensive line, not great. Um, but you know, top tier, you know, one of the top tiers in the in the Big Ten type of offensive line, I I can jump to nine wins easy. If I have confidence in that offensive line, I can believe in this offense and, and to really get going. He also said the new offensive coaching staff was night and day uh, compared to last year. And again, that might be just one man's take, um, but it, you know, it it is what it is. I mean, the last last year's coaches were let go. They brought in a lot of, of professionals, a lot of guys that they believe to make this thing work, and it just seems like it it's sticking together so far. So uh, that's good news on the running back front. Uh, let's jump to uh, somewhat the, the linebackers. Barrett Rude spoke today as well. And uh, a name to watch out for is true freshman Ernest Hausman. Uh, of course, an instant yeah. kid. Um, there, he's been getting a lot of praise. We've heard of that over the last couple of weeks, uh, maybe along with Colton Feist on the defensive line, another name you might not expect that's going to get a lot of playing time. But in any case, Ernest Hausman, uh, Rude said today, when your intangibles are better than your athleticism and your athleticism is extremely high, it's exciting. Um, so, I, I mean, I think Ernest Hausman it's one of those guys that, you know, when you go to your first your, your practice as a media member, you look for the guys that, that look ready, that pop out, that, that have Big Ten bodies right away. Um, and uh, it doesn't necessarily mean they're, they're due for greatness or anything. I remember Dedrick Young was a guy um, that we noted, everybody kind of noted right away, like, this guy looks like he's ready to be a college linebacker now. And he was. I mean, he played right away. Um, you know, maybe wasn't didn't end up being the next great Husker linebacker, um, but was, was really solid for, for his years here at Nebraska, and we'll see if Ernest Hausman can kind of back that up and, and even do a better job. Um, continuing with Barrett Rudy said um, he did a bad job, bad job, excuse me, of spelling Luke Reimer and Nick Henrich last season. Those guys got kind of tired. I think you could see it late in the season. They kind of missed more tackles. They were tackle machines earlier. Yeah. Um, started to miss more tackles. He mentioned Etevik Maga Clements as uh, maybe the third inside linebacker there. Uh, he wants to see more depth. He says that uh, Maga Clements is asking 400 
lighthearted level questions in meetings. So uh, he's kind of graduated into understanding the defense quite well, and uh, and he's impressed with him. He said he's extremely impressed, in fact, with his intelligence and over understand overall understanding of the defense. Um, so that could be maybe if you're looking for a third inside linebacker, a guy that might pop off there, um, look for him. Uh, and uh, and we'll see. Reimer, by the way, Luke Reimer, who's the leader of that defense, uh, at least in, in the middle of that defense, says he had two surgeries in the spring. Of course, had to sit out the spring. A hip scope and a sports hernia surgery. Uh, he said it was not a fun spring, but he recovered, and he feels a lot better now at fall camp heading into the season. Um, linebacker is interesting because it's a position we all feel pretty good about just because of Reimer and Henrich, and, uh, you know, that edge position's kind of, you know, taking over um, uh, for the defensive end, you know, defensive end slash outside linebacker. We'll kind of see how those guys play out, you know, where Caleb Tanner lines up, um, where where Garrett Nelson lines up. You expect maybe Tanner to be more so the linebacker, the outside linebacker. Um, I don't know if they'll have two of them. They might go more with the nickel. Chris Kalarovich was out there. Of course, he moved from inside linebacker to nickel. He dropped some weight, he mentioned today. Um, but uh, you're kind of getting more of a, an idea of what that picture is going to look like in the middle of the defense. Yeah, it's good to see that there's depth. And, that, and, and that's one of the things I'm really starting to hear throughout a, a lot of the, the staff is that they're, they're, they see more depth. And, and um, they, they don't feel that, there's a significant drop-off when you have uh, certain players are coming in into a rotation or they don't feel, they don't feel scared to be able to put somebody in uh, to be able to help out if there's a tired situation. Uh, you're hearing that with the, the, the secondary coaches. You're hearing that with the, the wide receivers. You're hearing that, um, you know, even we'll get into tight end at some point, but definitely it's good to hear that at the linebacker position. We all know what Luke Reimer and, and um, Heinrich, would, Heinrich would be able to, to do and what they've done. I mean, they've, they've got a track record of success at the position. But to hear that depth is behind them is, is also good to hear when you're talking about that. Any other news coming out of there, Bach? Uh, I think that was pretty much uh, kind of the, the big news that I saw today. I, th I thought it was good. Timmy Bleakroot, also the new kicker, uh, mentioned that uh, he got some offseason work with Sam Cook and Alex Henner and Brett Maher. Um, it, you know, I always kind of think back to uh, Tom Stevens trying to have to convince DP that Nebraska at one time was like kicker, punter, you. You know, it, it felt like that. Uh, it just like seemed to be in the water. It wasn't necessarily going out and recruiting guys. It was local in-state guys a lot of the time just being fantastic and going on to the NFL, of course, that hasn't been the case as of late. Um, but to be able to tap into that, to get those guys back around campus and uh, and to, to help maybe, you know, Timmy Bleakroad, um, big-time transfer, big-time get for Bill Bush out of the portal. He identified specialist as a problem. He went out and got a kicker, a punter, and a kick returner, you know, a specialist there. Um, all might, you know, throw in, throw in punt returner there um, as, uh, again, it looks like Anthony Grant and Trey Palmer may be the leader in those respective positions. That's brand new um, with the kicker and punter. So, I mean, they've got all types of different specialists out there. Um, I don't know if, if Bill Bush was the lead uh, on, on every single one of them, but you gotta, you got to think he played pretty heavily into getting Bleak Road and Brian Buschini. And uh, it's, it's at least, it, you know, it, it's been addressed. You know, th that specialist issue has been addressed. And then you've got some guys, um, you know, you can't think of a Brendan Framke who specializes at, uh, at kickoffs. And, and you've got some 
some depth there too that you can, you know, was part of, I wouldn't say part of the problem, um, but not necessarily the leaders on those units last year, um, guys that could spell and, and could spell this year too if you need them. Um, but uh, I think you feel pretty good. And um, man, and, and, and Mark Whipple was saying the other day too, he felt good. And I don't, you know, I don't know how much he's been watching the kicking game, but he said he, he's been mentioning a strong kicking game. He expects to have that this year. And uh, your offensive coordinator, I, I don't think he just says that, right? I mean, I think if, if that's part of his plan, if that's part of what he's thinking, um, because especially just the position he's been brought into, um, because, you know, Nebraska struggled in the red zone a lot due to kicking. Um, and, uh, and so he's got to know part of the job that he's coming in on is you might have, you know, if the kicking game's not there, you're going to have to find a way to score in the red zone without it, or, you know, kind of finish off drives or call plays differently. So when he's saying that the kicking game, he expects a strong kicking game, I got to buy in. I got to believe that, that, that he's, he's seen a little bit enough that, that he thinks bleak road is going to be able to get it done this year. Well, that's good to hear. It's all good stuff coming out of there. Thanks Bach for uh, uh, taking down that wonderful information that's coming out of Husker central Um, at the other side of, of this uh, break, we're going to take, I want to throw it out to the Sutter Heyman text line 402-464-5685. If you were Scott Frost and your, and, and, and your job was on the line, what is the, what is the room that you're having your most eyes on? And where do you have the shortest leash? I want to make that clear. What what room are you eyeing that has to be addressed for success this year? Let's just okay, there we go. Which room are you eyeing that needs to happen to have the most success this year for you, if you're the coach? And after that, what is the room that you have the least leash on? 402-464-5685. I want to hear what you think about that. We'll come back and tap in on some of those answers on the other side of this break. 97-937, the ticket, theticketfm.com. You're on the block. We'll be right back.